Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. This scripture had come to me in Acts 20 and in verse 24 where it says, but none of these things move me. This is the Apostle Paul talking about some of the things that he knows he will be facing in the days ahead. Some very, very serious things. Chains and tribulations is some of the things he'll be facing. So he knows he's got a, a rough road ahead of him. How many people would like to know that chains or handcuffs are awaiting you? That they're going to come and arrest you, throw you into some kind of dungeon, perhaps torture you, beat you, perhaps kill you. He knows that's the kind of future that's ahead of him. And yet he makes this statement, he says, but none of these things move me. What manner of man is this? None of these things move. This is real. He, he's not just saying this. This is who he is. This is how he believes. He is not moved. In other words, he's unafraid. He's unafraid of the things that are up ahead, the things that he is going to face in life. They don't move him. And if he was unmoved, you and I can be unmoved, regardless of what may come. You and I can remain fearless unmoved, unwavering in the face of it all. How many people want to live that kind of life? An unmoved, fearless life. Well, that's what God's got for us. To get the whole context of what is actually going on here. So it goes back to verse 17, where the apostle Paul is exhorting the leaders of Ephesus before he departs from them. And so the title of this message is not how to get free from fear, but it's actually the Ephesus exhortation. This verse 24 about being fearless is right in the middle of this exhortation because everything he says in, from verses 17 through 31 is how you and I can live a fearless life where we're unmoved by whatever comes our way in life. So there's a lot of principles in it, a lot of things he says that we need to get a hold of. So this is a series, not just a message, but it is a series on the Ephesus exhortation. Are you ready for part one tonight? Let's pick it up here in verse, verse 16, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So he's not stopping there to have official meetings in the churches. He's just passing through. And so he calls for the elders of the church, the elders of the church. What are or who are the elders 
of the church. When you look up the word elders, you see that word elders is used for pastors, bishops or overseers, leaders, and rulers of the flock. So here the apostle Paul is calling for the leaders of the church to come. And he has this exhortation that he wants to give to them. How many leaders do we have in this place today? All of us are being groomed by the Holy Spirit to be leaders in the kingdom of God. Now, you might not be the elder or an elder of this particular church, but you are to be a ruler. You are to be a leader. You are to be an overseer of some people, caring for people, watching out for people, wanting to help people, wanting to serve people. Every single one of us is being trained by the Holy Spirit to be rulers. Yes, that includes you. You are a ruler in training. You are a leader. A leader in the body of Christ. And you are to rule and reign in this life. You need to know that about yourself. Because if you don't know that about yourself, then you will not answer God's calling to rise up and take your place as a leader. If you just see yourself as the sheep, that's who you are. And you just come and you just receive a little word from God and maybe you have, you know, your prayer time with the Lord and you're just wanting to, to live a good Christian life, friend, that's not good enough. If you're going to fulfill your purpose in life, you have to understand that God is grooming you to rule and reign in life. He's grooming you to rise up and lead. I said he's calling us to lead. And if you're faithful with whatever he's got for you to do in this life, then you'll stand before him someday and you'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful in a few things. Now what? Huh? Be what? Who's he talking to? The faithful. The faithful. Are you called to be faithful? You're called to rule. Because the faithful will rule and reign with him throughout all eternity. He said, you've been faithful with a few things. Now be ruler over many. In other words, you were faithful with the few things, with the little things of this life. Now be faithful to rule in greater things. I could trust you with greater things. That's God's plan for you. I said that's God's plan for you. To rule and reign in life and to go on into eternity ruling in the kingdom of God. Ruling. So here he's called these, these elders together. Now this is important to understand because a lot of times people think, Christians, a lot of Christians think, that now the spiritual ones 
the ones, you know, the spiritually responsible ones in the church, in the body of Christ, are the elders, the pastor, the bishop, right? And all these other leaders, those that are in leadership position. These are the ones that are, you know, spiritually responsible. They carry the burdens of the Lord in prayer. They're the ones, man, they know the word of God. They can exhort, they can teach the word of God. Man, that's, that's for the elders. And so if you're not an elder, if in other words you're not a pastor, you're not called into leadership in the church as maybe like the youth leaders, right? Music leaders, different ones here, you know, here in the church. You got various different leadership positions and children's and so forth. If you're not leading, then you're just kind of here maintaining. Just maintaining. If you're not leading, then you're just maintaining. God's called you to more than just maintain your Christianity. He's called you to rise up and become a leader. That's what he's put on the inside of you. He's put, a, he's put a leader on the inside of you through the new birth, the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of you, and he's ready to lead through you. But we, many times, people are putting the responsibility for spirituality on others. Yeah, man, they're spiritual. They, they teach in the church. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're spiritual. You know, they're, they're, they're the leaders of the church. You know, they're, they're, of course, they're spiritual. What about you? Boy, I got quiet. What about you? You're to be just as spiritual. Come on, somebody. You're to be just as spiritual. In other words, you're to have faith. You're to have love, the love of God. You're to be walking in these things just like the leaders. In fact, what are the leaders in your life leading you to do? To lead in the things that they're leading in. What is a ruler? A ruler is someone that teaches people to rule. Not, not in the world. In the world, you got a lot of tyrants. They think being a ruler is to dominate people, oppress people, control people. We got a lot of folks today uh, that are showing their true colors about what they think a ruler is. They want to control people, control people. But a real ruler, the kind of ruler that God raises up is one who enables people to rule, teaches people to rise up and rule. So rulers, leaders, whatever they are, they are for you so that you can be what they are. Spiritual, responsible, concerning spiritual things, concerning the kingdom of God. We can't be passive and sit back and just think, this is for someone else. Spirituality is for someone else. I've, hey, listen, Pastor, listen, I've come today to church to just receive enough to maintain my Christianity. I, I, I thank you for the word today. It really has helped me to survive. To survive. God isn't giving you a word to survive. He's giving you a word to thrive. He's giving you a word to rule and reign above the circumstances of life. Know how to take your authority over the devil. 
walk in his power, and set people free. So it's just not my personality. It's not my person. It's not your personality to set people free. It's not your personality to share the good news with somebody. Well, that's just not my personality. To share? You've never shared anything with anybody? Have you never shared anything with anybody? Has any, is there anybody here that has never shared something with somebody? Something they was important to, something that was very important to them, and you never shared in your life. You've never shared. You've all shared. You're a sharer. You're a sharer. Has anybody ever testified of something in their life to other people? Have you ever shared good news with people? That's what the gospel is. It's good news. But you see, people's minds shut down because they have a wrong idea of what sharing the gospel with people is. I think a lot of people make more out of it than it really is so that they overwhelm themselves and delegate it to somebody else. That's not for me. That's for some, No, it's for you. It's for you. It's for you to share. It's for you to tell people your testimony. It's for you to tell people what God has done in your life and what he can do in their life. It's for you to share these things. It's not for you to sit back with your mouth closed and just that's for some that's for the elders. No, that's for the body of Christ. It's for every believer. Now this is key to living a fearless life and not being moved. Not being moved out of your place. You got to first know your place. A lot of people are moved out of place. They're moved by things because they don't know their place. So when you don't know your place, then things are going to move you into whatever place. Fear is going to move you into all kinds of places. So you got to know your place so that you can stand and not be moved out of it. We destroy fear by discerning our calling. Notice over here in 1 Corinthians, you want to hold your place in Acts because we're coming back. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it starts off in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle. How many people, that's a pretty high calling. That's a big calling. I'm, he, knew, see, he knew his calling. I'm called to be an apostle. Thank God he knew it. If he didn't know it, he couldn't do it. He had to discern his calling. Called to be an apostle. I thank God I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm called to do. Amen. I'm not up here this morning confused. I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to be pastoring. I don't, matter of fact, I don't even know if this church is where I'm supposed to be. Matter of fact, I don't even know if these people, I'm supposed to be around these people. You know, you live your life like that, you're going to get kicked all over the place. It ain't going to take much to move you at all. You got to know your place. You got to discern your calling. You got to know what God's called you to do. I haven't always been a pastor. I was an unsaved person at one time. Not me, but the, but the old man, you know, that used to live in this body. You know, he, he was lost, but then he got saved, got born again. Got a hold of the Word of God. Got in the Word of God. Fell in love with the Word of God. Started getting set free by the Word of God. And bless God, begin to find out what he's supposed to do next. God began to direct him. 
He found his place. You got to know your place. So here he understood, I'm an apostle. But notice he goes on here to verse 2. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Is anybody here called to be a saint? Called to be saints. So first, he starts off by making mention of an apostle. Pretty impressive there. Apostle. That's pretty high up there. But then he says, now, you understand, you're called to be, you got a calling too. Number one, to be a saint. You're called to be a saint. Called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So if someone said, well, what is a saint? You know, you're called to be a saint. You better know what, you call, what that means. You can't just keep it religious. Yes, I'm called to be a saint. Well, what does a saint do, huh? Yeah, what does a saint do? Uh, 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 uh. What, what, tell me about your calling. Tell me, explain the calling of a saint. I want to understand your calling as a saint. Who in this place can answer that question? You don't have to raise your hands. Maybe there won't be many hands. Who can really answer that question? What does one called to be a saint do? Well, it's right in the same verse. Let's look at it again, verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus. So that's number one. A saint, someone called to be a saint, is called to be what? Sanctified. What do you mean? Set apart. Set apart from what? Set apart from the devil. Set apart from unclean devils, unclean spirits, and thus unclean things, evil things, things of darkness things that are contrary to the word of God, set apart. See, if anybody can say, you can't touch this, it's the church. You can't touch this. The devil can't touch me. He can't touch me. Why can't he touch me? Because I ain't touching him and touching his stuff. I'm not messing with his, with his darkness. See, that's how you keep the devil from touching you. Don't touch him. So when he goes to touch you, you can say, hey, I didn't touch you. You got no right to touch me. See? But if you're touching everything he touches and everything that's about darkness and evil, you're touching all these evil things, then when he touches you, it's going to affect your confidence. And you may faint for fear of the things you're facing rather than destroy the fear. Rather than destroying the fear. So we had to discern our calling as saints being sanctified. But then he goes on. He gives you a little bit more insight into what a saint is. The calling of a saint. He says, uh, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Called to be sanctified. With all those who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Well, what does what one called to be a saint do? He calls on Jesus. He calls on Jesus. He calls on Jesus not to just be born again. He calls on Jesus in every place, in everything, in whatever he's facing in life. Jesus is there. 
In other words, he's acknowledging God in all his ways. He's acknowledging the Lord Jesus in all his ways. In other words, he's fully submitted to the Lord Jesus in everything. He's checking with him concerning everything. In other words, he's a good follower of the Lord Jesus. How do you become a good leader? You've got to first be a good follower. A good follower of the Lord Jesus. And if you're a good follower, then you qualify as a leader. You're able to lead. Thank God you and I can lead. And not just be led. Pushed around by the circumstances of life. Led by devils and demons and whatever comes our way. No, 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 no. We take the lead in this situation. We take the lead in our life. Let's just put ministry aside. First, life. We take the lead in life. Things will try to come on you. Things will try to mess with you. But you got to rise up and say, don't. I'm in control here. I'm in control here. No, I'm ruling. I'm leading. I'm taking charge of this situation. Devils aren't taking charge of this. We're not to be victims in life. We're not to be just being led around by whatever happens in life, whatever's going on. I mean, you think about the world. So much of the world, they're just being, it's like they got a hook in their nose and they're just being led. They're just being led by whatever. People have no foundation. It's the most, it's the craziest thing. That you get, a, you get the media and you get public opinion all pushing, pushing, pushing. And they push long enough and hard enough. And next thing you know, people sway in that direction. People just change their belief completely. I mean, people can go from believing one thing one week and believing something completely different the following week. Just because of a week of erosion of what they believed. And a week of pulling, a week of just pulling and pulling them and pulling them in this direction. And next day they're over here and they're believing that. I mean a very double-minded, unstable world you and I are living in. We might be in the world, but we're not like it. Come on, somebody. We're not like it. We're like the rock. Come on. We're like Jesus. We're like him. Because he's in us. His spirit is in us. And he is leading us and guiding us. We are led by the spirit of God. And being led by the spirit of God makes you a leader in life. Being led by the spirit of God makes you a leader in life. Get that. So number one, you're called to be a saint. You know you're not called to just be a Christian, take up space and just go through motions. You know that? Man, you need to get fired up because today is leadership class. God's training you. He's grooming you to be something, to live a certain way. Not just to stay as it always been and maintain. You'll never maintain. People that just try to live in maintain mode, they only stick around so long. I'm just telling you. They just stick around for so long, and then maintaining ends up being backsliding. Because you're either going forward, or you're going backwards. Jesus said you're either for me, or you're going to turn against me. So we need to be all in. Somebody say, I'm all in. Fired up. Praise God forever. That's who we are. 
that's who we are. We got a lot of leaders in here. We got people that know their place. I'm a saint. I'm called to be a saint. And they're not just saying whatever happens, happens, or spiritualizing by saying, well, whatever the Lord wants. The world says whatever happens, happens. The church says whatever the Lord wants. Well, what does the Lord want? Do you know? Find out and get in the flow. Don't just sit here and say, well, whatever happens, happens, or whatever the Lord wants. Find it, fulfill it. Walk in it. Be obedient to God. Rise up. Take your place. When you understand you have a place, you'll protect it. You'll guard it. And you'll look to grow in it. Grow in your calling. Grow in your calling. And so uh, there's some progression right here in 1 Corinthians. Where he says, called to be saints. And then verse 9. He says, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Called into the fellowship. Man, oh man, you've been called to fellowship with Jesus. You've been called to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Man, I feel so alone. Well, that's because you're not fulfilling your calling. Because if you were fellowshipping with him, you would be fulfilled. Because he fulfills, he satisfies. His presence is there with you. We got to get good at fellowshipping with God. Thank God for fellowship with one another and fellowship with other people. But how about just knowing how to just sit with the Lord and fellowship with him? Enjoy him. Delight in him. Now watch this. Verse 26. He says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen you. God has chosen people just like you, the foolish. The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. I want you to again look at verse 26, for you see your calling Brethren, you got to see your calling, brethren. Do you see your calling, brethren? Do you see it? It's important to see it. Because if you don't see it, then you'll never walk in it. And if you're not walking in what God has called you to be and what God has called you to do, then fear is going to easily move you in whatever direction it wants to move you. So to be unmovable, we have to discern our calling. We have to see our calling. Do you see it? Do you see your calling? Say, Lord, help me to see my calling. You know, nobody else is going to see it if you don't see it. How is anybody else going to respect your calling if you don't? If you don't recognize it, you need to see it. You need to see it first. And then others need to see it. Notice verse 18 of Acts 20. And when they had come to him, these elders had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Now think about that statement right there. You know. You know in what manner I always lived among you. 
You know the kind of life I lived among you. See, Paul didn't just know, but he lived his life in such a way that they all knew. They all knew. See, we need to know that we need to know what we're called to be, what we're called to do, and then live it in such a way that other people, they understand who we are and what we're called to do. That's how clear our callings should be. It should be so clear. That's a saint. That is a saint. That is someone that fellowships with Jesus Christ. And really, you know, you talk about the calling of an apostle, the calling of a pastor, these elders, bishops, and so forth. Really, all that is is an overflow of these first two. Called to be a saint. Called to fellowship. Acknowledging God in all your way. Living a sanctified life. And fellowship with Jesus Christ. And man, if you're fulfilling that calling, if there's anything else you need to know, you're going to know it. I said, if there's anything else you need to know, you're going to know it. Nobody ever has to be anxious about their calling. What am I called to do? What am I called to do? It's very simple. Be a good saint. Because you know you're called to do that. Live a sanctified life. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure, you know, if I know exactly what God wants me to do. Well, then throw some stuff overboard. Throw some worldly stuff overboard. Throw some stuff overboard that doesn't sanctify your life. Throw it overboard. Has anybody had to throw anything overboard? They needed to throw some stuff overboard and they threw it overboard? Oh, man. I came to Jesus with a boatload. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, my boat was so low in the water. I mean, just a little, little splash, and man, we're filling with water. Jesus, we're filling with water. And then he says, well, see, now, that, 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 I don't approve of that. I'm not pleased with that. That isn't good. And I had to get it overboard. So I, so I took out the, the faith bucket, and I threw it overboard. And I threw some more overboard. And we threw some more, and the boat got a little lighter. And started coming up. Praise God. And that's living a sanctified life. Getting stuff overboard. Getting stuff overboard. Help you to be efficient in life. Be an efficient believer. So we don't have to be cluttered and confused and overwhelmed about, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? What am I called to do? Be a saint. Sanctify yourself. Fellowship with Jesus. Amen. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Call on him in everything and for everything. Bring him into it. Jesus of myself, I could do nothing. I thank you right now for helping me with this. Thank you, Lord, for being a part of this. That's why even when we sit down to eat, we acknowledge him. We bless the food. Lord, I thank you. I can't even eat right without you. I ask you to bless this food. Bless this food. You got to fulfill these callings, and then it'll be easy to discern anything else God has for you to do. But we need to live in such a way that people know where we come from and what we're all about and where we're going. They know what we're all about. The people know what you're all about. Paul said, you know. You know what manner of life I've lived. You know how I live my life among you. You know. He's just sitting and saying, now I know you guys really don't know me very well. I've been very quiet and I really keep to myself and I really don't say much and I really don't do much and I really don't have much and I really don't believe much. But I just thank you guys that, you know, I want to, sh- I want to just tell you that I'm really, I'm a good person. 
I really am a good person. <laughs> How about getting out there and leading in good? Come on, somebody. How about leading in godliness? How about leading in faith? How about leading in righteousness? How about leading in holiness? How about leading in happiness? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Lead in these things. Don't just have these things casually. A little here, a little there. No, lead in it. So people can look at you and say, Man, that person is full of the Holy Ghost. Who should be full of the Holy Ghost in the church? The elders? The leaders? And you should be so full of the Holy Ghost that you're not the only one that knows it. Because if you're the only one that knows it, then you might not be so full. We need to be so full of the Holy Ghost, everybody knows it. It's not because we're walking around saying, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Or get up in people's faces and go, shakama, 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 Or walk up and say, I had a vision, I had a vision, I had a vision. I have a word for you, I have a word for you. I love, I love that, you know. Uh, for years, we, we, over the years, you know, we've had people come and go, go. And, uh, you know, they come and they got a word for everybody. They got a word, they got no fruit. They got no fruit at all, but they got a word of prophecy for everybody, you know. And it's like, why don't you just sit in a chair for more than a few weeks here at this church before you start giving prophecies to people? But you see, they can't do that. Why? Because the fruit is rotten. So they can't do that. So they cover the rotten fruit with a bunch of hocus-pocus prophecy. But uh, fruit first. We want to see your fruits. And then we'll see the gifts. But let's lead in the fruit. Come on. Who wants to lead in love? Oh, we got some competition. There's a bunch of hands that went up for the loved one. So you guys are going to have to work that one out. You know, you're just going to have to push, shove, and do what you got to do to lead in love. How many people want to lead in joy? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Then why don't you start with a smile when the pastor's talking to you? Sure would help me out. Half the service, I got to look at. Why don't we rise up and lead? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let's lead. Lead in the fruit of the Spirit, bless God. Be a leader in these things. So that other people can see it. See, we're not just walking around hiding fruit. Just got, we, get, we keep the fruit. You know, we just keep the fruit to ourselves. God bless you. I love you. Good to see you. Amen. And we got all this fruit, you know. Probably not. Probably not. Let me see your baskets. You know, if, you got, if you got fruit, it's like, my God, I got too much. You know, I've, I've had people, they've got gardens. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they got zucchinis and cucumbers and they got too many tomatoes. They got too much. They got too much. They got too much. You see, we got too much. Can I bring you some too? Yes. Of course you can bring me some of your vegetables. Now, that's not a pitch to try to get people with <laughs> gardens to say, well, it kind of is. 
<laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Well, the Lord helps me. He provides for me. But see, people have an abundance. You know, you get a garden going, and next thing you got, you got too much tomatoes. You're going to rot. You got to give. You got to start giving them away. That's how. That's the fruit of the spirit. That's how we need to be living our lives, leading in these things where it's like, man, Charlie keeps coming to church and handing me a box of tomatoes. I got too many tomatoes. I got to start giving some of these tomatoes to other people. They come in. They give me zucchinis. I mean, huge zucchinis every week. I mean, I got, I, got, I got more zucchini. I mean, I don't eat that much zucchini. I got to give some of this fruit, vegetables away. That's the kind of people we do. We come with baskets, man, baskets, baskets. What kind of reputation do you have among the people? Over in Acts chapter 6, the day came in verse 2 where it says, the 12 summoned the multitudes of the disciples the multitude of the disciples, and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer into the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they, who? The multitude of the believers. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Now notice that. The twelve came to the congregation and said, Hey, congregation, we need about seven people to take care of this business of serving tables. And this isn't just for anybody. These are for people full of the Holy Spirit. They got to be full of faith, full of the love of God, full of wisdom. And uh, so you guys look for those people, all right? And, and let us know who you find. Find the, find the top seven. Give us the top seven among you. Now think about that. Think about that. And so they did. The congregation looked around. And this guy. That guy. And they picked him out. Are you that guy? Are you that one? Do you want to be? Do you want to be that one? God wants you to be. I want you to be in your place. I want you to be so confident in your place that nothing moves you. This is how you get there. This is how you get there, by being that one. Being that one that it's evident to everybody else what kind of person you are. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You are full of faith, full of wisdom. Grace of God is on your life. You're a doer. You're a doer. Do people look at you and say, man, you're a doer? Or do people look at you and go, I'm not sure what you are. How are we going to get where we need to be and, and, and have this fearless faith that God's called us to have in these last days? And not be cowards, not people that are going to betray Jesus, turn our backs on him, turn our backs on one another. A lot of folks are going to do that in the last days. Many will be offended. They're all touchy. See, it's all about themselves. No, we, need to be, we need to be these people right here. We don't just read about them. We don't just say this is for somebody else. This is for the elders. This is for you. 
This is for you right now. Right now. It all starts with seeing and knowing your calling. And as you see it and you know it, you believe it, and you're determined to walk in it, then guess what? Other people are going to start seeing it too. And they're going to know it. Now, perhaps there was a lot of folks here. I mean, that early church was fired up. You understand. Those early believers, they were fired. I'm sure, I just want to say most of them were full of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and notice, had a good reputation. You know, no reputation is not a good reputation. In other words, nobody knowing you is you having no reputation among the brethren. You, the Bible doesn't say, find seven men that have no reputation. No, look at folks that have a what? They got a good reputation. They got a reputation for doing good things. It's a reputation. It's something, in other words, they consistently live this way. They're faithful. So we need to stir ourselves on and not become complacent. The answer, the correct response to this word today is, I'm stepping it up. I'm stepping it up. I'm going to step up into the call of God on my life. Bless God, I'm going to live my life in such a way everybody's going to know exactly what I live for. They're going to understand my tenets of faith. They're going to understand my convictions. They're going to understand what I do and what I don't do. They're going to understand what I'm all about. They're going to understand I'm all in and I'm not a part of that mess. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's what this word is to stir up in every single one of us. Stir that up on the inside of you this morning. Praise God. I don't know. I just don't want us to sit back anymore and just look and say, boy, that pole was something. Boy, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he was confident. You know, he knew that they knew the way that he lived among them. That's great for Paul. No, we need, that needs to stop us and say, do people know what manner of way that I live my life? Do they understand my manner of life? They understand what I'm all about. They understood about Stephen. They understand about Philip. They understand about these seven. But I believe the early church, the whole church was fired up. They were a fired up group, man. So they probably had, you know, they had to like look around like, you know, people fill the Holy Spirit, good reputation. I mean, these are the people that sold all their land and property and gave proceeds to, laid it at the apostles' feet to give it to whoever. I mean, these folks were good, full of good works. And they, they were probably struggling to find seven that were like, I'm just thinking, you know, how they're all full, they all got good reputation, and it's like, yeah, but Charlie, he's, 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 he, goes, he goes well above what everybody else is doing. I mean, they had to find that kind of guy. We need to be that way among us. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God forever. And then I love what it says in verse 7 of Acts 6. It says, then the word of God, after they picked these guys out and put them in charge, it says, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. I mean church growth. I mean people coming into the kingdom of God. Why? Because people know who they are. 
They know who they are, and they know it's so much that other people know who they are and what they're all about. And they have a good reputation, and they're full of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.